Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today is part two of our recording talking about the long-lost masterpiece and erotic film by Francis Savell, entitled Equation to an Unknown. If you are a Patreon subscriber, then you've had access to this episode for some time now. And if you're not a Patreon subscriber and are wondering what that is, Patreon is a platform where you can support the podcast for as little as just a few dollars a month. All proceeds go directly towards maintaining the podcast, as well as ensuring that we can keep hearing these very important personal stories from individuals within our Leather and Kink communities. Patreon subscribers gain early access to podcast episodes, as well as exclusive access to more bonus material like what you're about to hear today. A friendly reminder that this podcast is reserved for audiences 18 years and older. Please be advised that in this episode, we will be discussing the film Equation to an Unknown, which does depict homoerotic art as well as adult content. With that said, let's sit back, relax, and get ready for some more Leather Talk. back for part two of our gay homosexual conversation uh <laughs> over analyzing over analyzing pornography <laughs> pornography not 90s I, I always like to say i don't know if any of you watch trixie mattel but she has this one thing that she says in one episode she's like oh my gosh so and so has a square cut nail 90s lesbian pornography <laughs> People are like, what are you talking about? No, this is not 90s lesbian pornography. This is French, 80s, homosexual <laughs> pornography. Pornography. <laughs> I really love it because it's like, it, it is all sex, but it everything that we've talked about, everything that was going through my mind and your mind that we've spoken about throughout the movie was so much more than sex, but there was no words really to convey all of that information so last time we left off at what was it, the the docks right the, the bar in the bathroom where do we go after that so after that sexual encounter the protagonist drives off on his motorcycle um and throughout the movie you know like we said there's almost no one none of these characters have names but there always seem to be people that the protagonist fixates on like he fixates on the soccer players Mm-hmm. He fixates on the guys at the bar, and now he's fixated on these two guys who are leaving the dock together um, on the bike. Do you remember <laughs> what you said when one of the guys in this group meets with the guy on the motorcycle and the way he sits on the bike? <laughs> oh, where he sits, like, backwards? Yeah. I was like, oh, come on. Why do you have to be extra? Like, <laughs> like give me a break. Yeah, he sits on the bike backwards, the, the motorcycle. Okay, so we're, we're on the motorcycle, and then what happens? Well, we follow these two new characters, unnamed, of course. Um, they drive out from the city into the rural parts of the French countryside, I guess, <laughs> and kind of find, like, an offbeaten trail 
under a bridge and they begin to have sex as well. Yeah. And what was really hot to me was, oh, you guys just have to see it. Oh my God. Okay. So he like lays, this is the protagonist, lays backwards. Not the protagonist. It wasn't the protagonist? There are, he's the... Am I thinking of a different scene? No, this is the scene, this but is the these scene. are the two guys. <gasps> That's right. Okay, so two new guys. And, um, but doesn't he pick up this guy at like a gas station? We're getting to that. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> you, you, go for it. <laughs> okay, okay. So um, I think you do better to explain the sex scenes, though. Okay, the sex so, scenes. So we follow these two guys from the docks. They've traveled all the way out to this very secluded area. And it's like next to this railroad track or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's kind of hot because it's just like out there in the middle of nowhere there's this just this railroad track they're next to it he lays back on his bike and he says like i really want you to suck my dick so he goes down there he starts sucking his dick and just then like this loud fucking rail or train goes down the railroad track and it's like so hot because like there's all of this sound and you can tell they're really into it but they're not giving a fuck that the train's going by it's not like the train can stop nobody can go out and like tell them you know what the fuck are you doing but they continue to have sex yeah it was amazing (laughs) i want to have sex next to a railroad track now in the middle of nowhere (laughs) france that's my 2022 goal you guys (laughs) well while they are having sex we return to the protagonist who's on his own bike and he stopped at a gas station and is flirting with the gas station attendant. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wearing the full mechanic getup. You know, the zipper goes from his neck all the way down to his crotch. <laughs> yeah. And he pulls it all the way down to his crotch before he tips this guy for helping him gas up. Is that what they do? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We don't do that in California. We pump our own gas out here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the South. <laughs> I think they do that in Oregon or Washington, oh, okay. Oregon, yeah. But um, we have a great shot of, like, looking down at the bike and the gas station attendant puts the nozzle right into the, the hole. The, <laughs> the, the gas hole. I don't know anything about bikes. These are two bikes. homosexuals, you guys, talking about engines and cars <laughs> and stuff. So give us a break here. He puts the pole in the hole is basically <laughs> where we're getting at. I mean, it was... The most obvious form of what was metaphor? What do you even call that, Jack? Um, illusion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cinematic language. And there, <laughs> like the way he's standing too, it makes it look like he's almost stra- straddling it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It, it makes it look like it's his dick. It's like, oh, by the way, we're gonna sexualize this. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not a moment in this movie that isn't sexual, really. So we go through that scene. Yes, and then. The gas station attendant, like, before the protagonist leaves, gas station attendant flags him down, says, can I go with you? And the protagonist says, you can if you give me head. And the gas station attendant says, say no more. This is the long lost kind of reality of gay cruising that I feel like I missed out on. Like, this is why I always say, like, I feel like I was a gay man in the 70s, like in past <laughs> life, because I look at scenes like this or fantasize about them or read about them or see them in a film like this and it makes me have like a feeling of nostalgia or at least the feeling that me as a gay individual is a part of some sort of legacy and this is where we came from kind of thing and I can't help but look at that and not just fantasize about it from a sexual standpoint but also long 
to be a part of the gay world in a time where a lot of things like this went unspoken. And I know a lot of baggage came with that, right? Like, obviously, we had AIDS, we had homophobia, we had violence, you know, against homosexuals and a lot of stuff. But it, it is like reminiscent of a time that is no longer, you know? And we get another hint of that world where the protagonist asks the mechanic, you know, where's a good spot we can go to? And mechanic says, I know just the spot. And it turns to, out to be the exact same spot that the two previous men who we had followed from the dock are having sex. And they end up all meeting together. I imagine that happened a lot back in the day. There were only so many. So many cruising spots. Yeah. And I will tell, I will point out, like they met, they, they went to go drive under a bridge right Mm -hmm. the movie the opening scene starts under a bridge as well yeah you caught that um this this scene wait was it this scene with the cum oh oh my god (laughs) oh my god you guys yes i'm not a i'm not a cum whore or a cum slut or anything i'm not into like cum typically but this was hot he was like on his knees getting sucked off under this bridge and then he makes the sounds like he's orgasming and he comes up and he starts making out. And it's like the most explicit scene. There's cum just leaking from both of their mouths. And like the last second you see his head pull away and there's just like cum all. Oh, and it's like real cum. This is not Cetaphil. <laughs> like, you know, this is pornography. Like, that's what's so hot about it. It's like somebody like took the time to make all of these hot scenes and put them into a story like this. But right after that is when those other two guys... Protagonist and the mechanic, yes. Um, And so I guess they decide to join forces. Um, (laughs) The mechanic leads them to a new spot. It's, um, I think it's it's hard to know because Americans we just don't know anything about trains. But I think it's like some kind of shack where they store. Wasn't it like underground too? It seems kind of underground too. It's like a spot where they store all this material and equipment for like maintaining the railroad. Right. Go in there and... Well, let's go back to something that you said earlier, though. Okay. Because you mentioned that he said, do you know of a quiet place? And they go to that bridge. And he says this a couple times throughout the film. I caught it maybe two other times, even earlier. And that's what he says to the guys that drive up. He says, know a quiet place. And that's where he takes them. And all the meanwhile, they go to this quote-unquote quiet place in like the middle of the forest it seems like there's like trees you can see it's illuminated by moonlight and they go underground to this like little bunker area yeah thing with all of these tools and everything but you can hear birds chirping you can hear the train going by you can hear like dogs barking dogs barking and it's something that i mean this really caught me when i noticed he kept saying like no of a quiet place but yet every quiet place seemed so noisy Something I wrote down for myself was that it's interesting that that he says this so often. And even though there's no dialogue otherwise, there's very minimal dialogue. It's a super noisy movie in regards to hearing the sounds of like the, the world and everything going on around them. And it kind of put it made me think like for gay men of that time, there is no quiet place for those people in hiding. Like, even in the sex scenes where you hear, like, the loud sounds of what's going outside, if you're constantly on your toes, 
trying not to be discovered, trying to have these sexual experiences, there is no quiet place. There's no rest for the wicked, as they always say. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like that constant reminder throughout the movie. Yeah. Did you find that it distracted maybe on just like a very technical level? Did you think it was distracting from the sex scenes? Yes and no. Hmm. Yes, it, it distracted from making the pornography consumable as traditional pornography would be. Mm-hmm. Because the moment that you would grab a handful of lube and start jerking off because visually it's such an erotic scene, you're reminded again about something that is not sexual. And it's that fear of being discovered by the outside world. It's the, the reminder that at the end of this comes loneliness. And that's what kind of takes your sexual drive and like pulls it down a little bit. Yeah. Meanwhile, these guys are doing their best, like, to fuck through all of that, <laughs> you know? But I don't know. It's just interesting because, like, they, they put a lot of risk. And think about even just the making of this movie, right? Like, sodomy itself, in a lot of, in, in some states, even in the United States, weren't even, it was still considered, like, a crime until, like, the early 2000s. And this movie was made in 1980. Yeah. Just the risk of making that movie in and of itself was like, I mean, would you be acting in a movie like that? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's your face and everything. Like, it's it's just crazy to me. But they go on to have, I guess, would you call it an orgy? It's four people. Is it's four people. Orgy? They kind of keep to themselves, though. I, I'm curious about that, too. It's such, like, a minor detail that, like, you think maybe they're all going to join together in this scene, but instead, like, the two original guys stick together and the protagonist who brought the mechanic sticks with him yeah i don't necessarily know why um because they were maybe just legitimately looking for a quiet place (laughs) they looked for each other you know like gay men find each other in this world yeah somehow and like maybe they needed a safe space to do all of this and did it mean that they had a have a huge orgy sexual encounter with every single person in that area. But they were like, they're supporting each other kind of thing. I mean, I'm not, I obviously don't know, but I'm sure there's a whole understood, you know, set of rules, etiquette on how you interact with each other and how you communicate too. Especially if, so all the spaces that you go and you utilize for these kinds of encounters, you know, there's only so many. So you're bound to run into other people as well. And you know what's something I wrote down here that I was just reminded of? All the spaces that they have sex in were, like, very empty. Like, not just physically, but just, like, emotionally, it was empty. Like, the locker room, empty. The fucking bedroom, very empty. There was, like, nothing in there besides a bed. And, and like, ironically, a statue of the Virgin Mary yeah by like a mirror (laughs) yeah like a mirror and like now we're in this closed off area like a tool shed type thing in the middle of nowhere like you said a bunker that's even that's so isolated and yeah empty of a space i can't imagine anything more (laughs) and it just adds to that kind of effect of like that emptiness and this sex scene had probably the most jarring end of all of them in the movie, I thought, where just when the protagonist is about to climax, we're removed from the bunker, this space, 
with the other guys, and all of a sudden we're outside. Um, and it's very early morning. When the protagonist had picked up the mechanic, it was night, very dark out, and now it's like early morning out in the countryside, and the protagonist immediately starts driving away and leaves the mechanic on the side of a dirt road. I know. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? And there's still cum dripping from his lips, too. Yeah, and he just kind of, like, watch. He doesn't say anything to the mechanic. He doesn't even look that concerned. He just watches him drive off. And the camera leaves the mechanic off in the distance as it travels with the motorcycle. I mean, talk about hit it and quit it. My God, at least give him a ride home. Give him an Uber <laughs> or something. And I did think the mechanic was the cutest. So, like, seeing the face and then just having it disappear and... It was very sad. <laughs> now, we're not going to make this a race thing because this was in the 80s and this was in France. So we'll give him that. But did you notice that everyone was white? <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't catch it till halfway through. I'm like, everyone's white. Like, <laughs> Well, it's interesting if you were watching the credits, which was such a weird credit scene. We'll have to talk about that too. The ending credit scene. Do you remember? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're listing off the credits and they definitely were mainly like Europeans. But yeah. one guy was known as the Arab and his name was um I can't remember his name. Oh. I think it was the construction guy. Um Okay, I know who you're talking now that um, I look now that I have a visual in my mind. Okay. So there was like one person there to represent diversity, but I don't think that that was their concern and I think that their yeah. perspective was probably like this was whoever directed it, whoever wrote it, their experience as a white European male. Absolutely. And so, like, I think that their thought at the time was probably, like, this is the reality that I live in. And probably if this was made by somebody of a different race or background or country, like, that experience would probably be a whole different story. And I mean... Not even to, like, get in too much into it, but, like, the politics of that era would have been very interesting because you had a majority white population in France, obviously, but there was also, like, a sizable minority of immigrants from North Africa. Mm. I guess you you could call them Arabs. Um, And it was a very tense relationship, I think, between them, especially with the way the Arabs were treated, like, brought to France to help you know, modernize it after World War II and rebuild so many different construction projects, but then treated horrendously by the French population. Like, there's definitely so much going on in this movie. Um, it probably would have opened a whole other chapter <laughs> if if they were going to go down that road. Right. But it, it was just interesting because I didn't I didn't pick up on that until later. I was like, well, what at, at the end of the um, wait, are we at the last scene yet? Well, we need we need to do the last scene because it's. So, yeah, we are at the last scene. Okay, so if we are at the last scene, that's when I noticed. I was like, why is everybody in this orgy scene white? (laughs) (laughs) That's what... (laughs) But, um, which was a bummer because I didn't see myself there. (laughs) I imagined myself there. Um, But, okay, so the end scene. Well, we follow the protagonist. He finally returns to his apartment. It feels like he's been gone all day, basically, like... Oh, and you were saying earlier, off yeah, the record. Yeah, I think the move, movie takes place in one day, basically. Like, the soccer game, very early in the morning of one day. Yeah. He does all this throughout the day until finally it's the next morning and he comes back to his apartment. And once again, he gets undressed. I can't remember if Francois was already there or he also came back. And, yeah. Too, and Francois was like, 
Oh, you've you've had a long day, huh? <laughs> he falls asleep, and like, God bless him. He always takes all of his clothes off. Mm-hmm. Full spread eagle, huge thick cock, ugh, and just like falls asleep. Well, does this is when he has sex with Francois? Is that correct? He does have sex with Francois yeah. first. Yes. So this is. We never know for sure, but I think this is his partner, basically. They live together. They have some kind of, like, sexual relationship with each other. He's the only one that he keeps coming back to throughout the movie. Right. And I don't want to... This is maybe the more mundane of the sex scenes. Like, it's a very brief kind of sex scene between, you know, two lovers in a bed, like, in their apartment. It's very straightforward Is that. And, you know, it's very normal, very... Everything goes smoothly, and then... The protagonist finishes, they finish, and the protagonist kind of drifts off into sleep for a moment. And he dreams, he imagines himself in this, like, kind of, I don't know, like a warehouse, some kind of. Yeah, his bed is like in the middle of this, again, empty space, like this big <laughs> open warehouse. His motorcycle is somehow parked in the room, and that's mm-hmm. it. And I will say before we go on to this scene, which you just reminded me of, that scene with Francois, the last one before this last orgy scene that we're going to talk about right now, was probably the most intimate in regards to you didn't really hear too much of the outside world. The sound and the visuals were focused on like the breathing and the the sexual ecstasy of the moment. And this was probably like anytime you're with Francois, you kind of get this sense of more emotion where, like, mm-hmm. the others were more, like, chance encounters. I don't know. Would you say that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, on the one hand, like, we were talking about how the realism of having these background noises and world sounds in so many of these sex scenes. But this sex scene seems almost like the realist because it is just, to a degree, like, straightforward, mm-hmm. you know, two men having sex in a bed. In a bed. Like, who would have thought? This whole movie. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> <laughs> It's whole movie they do it everywhere else, and finally they're in a bed, but they really are embracing each other, and their bodies are on top of each other, and they're they're kissing. Actually, they're not just sucking each other's dicks. Like mm-hmm. they, there's intimacy there. Right. Um, so he goes and wakes up in the, into this dream, and one by one, each character that he had a sexual encounter with comes into the room, and they all line up in this warehouse, like against the wall. And slowly begin to undress. Yes. So we have, just to recap, in case you've gotten confused with all these nameless men who've come in, we have the two soccer players. We have the construction worker from the bar scene. We have the two motorcyclists who (laughs) were under the bridge and then in the rail yard shack. Um, Oh, shack. And, I mean... The bunker. Well, how curious about this, right? The, The guy who was also in the bar... The one who was being used, he's in the corner on the far end of the line, and his all the men are facing face toward the camera, and he's Basically. got his back to the camera in the corner yeah. of the room. I didn't get that. I'm like, bitch, wake <laughs> up. We're about to have an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that means. Maybe if you're listening to this podcast and you have any insight onto that. But I, I didn't get that. Well, you know, he was already he had become so listless after all these encounters in the bathroom mm-hmm. and he continued that listless list listness listlessness <laughs> it's curious but like you said they all undress and then they all slowly surround the bed 
as they jerk off and as the protagonist jerks off in bed. And just to complete the puzzle, the mechanic enters the room alone mm. and takes off his clothes and then goes straight to the bed and enters the bed with the protagonist. And then that's where the orgy scene kicks off. No. If any of you know which Schubert piece that is, please let me know. I'm trying to find it. Oh, God. This was... Okay, this was next to the the very first opening scene with the locker room. Probably the hottest scene. And would have been the hottest scene had you not heard a fucking man and woman talking and laughing the whole time. It was like this reel of this lady giving like this wicked witch of the west kind of laugh like <laughs> well there were water noises as well and right? as if they noises. were at a dock again the water is like sloshing <gasps> up against that <laughs> i was wondering what the water sounds were i was like is that all the cum like gushing in their balls is <laughs> about to explode how funny i never thought of that wow yeah so it's it's being backtracked by this like these water gushing sounds and like this mm-hmm. couple talking and something that that the the video essay said was that during that last scene that his interpretation was that it was a straight couple speaking and laughing and almost mocking yeah um which will definitely take you out of the moment which if you're take, yeah. trying to get i'm trying to see if i wrote something down here let me see no i didn't write anything down but but what he said was it was almost as if it was an anticipation of what was going to happen next and like a mocking of like, well, just like a mocking of the gay community and, and the suffering and the horror that they were about to go through kind of thing. That was his interpretation of that. Yeah. Scene. Which is such a dark, scene, dark, you know, imagining of a scene. But I mean, like you were saying too, you thought it was the hottest scene or one of the hottest scenes, if not for all the, the audio. Yeah. All the extra stuff. And so we see all this sex happening. I think we, see a lot of cum correct oh my god correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> i mean maybe 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 it, there was that much cum because there was a lot of people but th- I, I it was just an obscene amount of cum you guys like it was a bucket of cum on this guy's chest <laughs> and face everywhere and we get we do get some nice like close-ups of the other guys faces they all seem like their intent is to have sex with the protagonist and they're all having sex and then in just like a snap Everyone's gone except for the protagonist, and he's alone in the bed, mm-hmm. just laying there. Oh, not to even complicate this even more, but do you remember that really weird scene that happens while the orgy is commencing? The guy who's in the corner <gasps> yeah. is like, okay, <laughs> what? Okay, so the guy wait, was he naked at this point? He was. Yes. So the guy that was like bewildered in the bathroom, and in this scene is had had his back facing the camera where everyone else is facing forward like towards the end of this orgy scene it shows him on the floor naked asleep now facing the camera and his feet are dirty they're facing the camera i remember <laughs> you being like his feet are dirty and one of the other guys from the orgy leaves the orgy right and starts like crawling naked on the floor towards this guy who's like fallen asleep in the corner and i can't remember what else happens but i'm like what the fuck is going on here what am i not getting well the guy in the corner he was listless we've established that he seemed in a daze and as he's getting his dick sucked he is 
brought back to life. That's right. <gasps> I think I got it. <laughs> I think I got it. Okay. Maybe we are overanalyzing this. Maybe I'm overanalyzing it. We both are. <laughs> he was not the recipient of any sexual advances. He was the one getting fucked and pissed on and used the entirety of the, the entirety of the movie. And this was the first time where somebody was like servicing him, sucking his dick for a change. And that woke him up. It comes full circle. He experienced all aspects of gay sex. And now he... That's the only thing that I can think of. <laughs> somebody, else, somebody else watch the fucking movie and tell me what that scene was all about because I have no idea. <laughs> and then the movie ends with protagonist waking up, Francois in the bed. They're looking at each other with tenderness, I would say, in their eyes. And Francois, not Francois, excuse me, the protagonist says... To Francois. To Francois. I wish I could only love you. Yeah. Yeah. And that was heartbreaking. And it made me think of so many things. Like, it made me think, was the entire movie a dream? Was Francois somebody that he was fantasizing about, that he wished that he could love but couldn't? Was he actually his lover and maybe all the other scenes were fantasies? Or was it that he was having all of these chance encounters and that's the only way that he can really live out his sexual life as a gay man to do it all in secret and he wished he could be with this man in terms of like, you know, being married to him or being his life partner, but knew that he couldn't because of the time and just the, the world as it was at that moment. So there's all these different, it's just like very open-ended to me. Like yeah. what that, what do those words mean, you know? And I mean, just to think about the title of this movie still, Equation to an Unknown, it's such like a heavy, it's a it's a weird thing to say. It's a weird like title of a movie to say, especially for a pornography. But like, if I'm grasping at straws, tell me. But I feel like regardless of whether these sex scenes and these guys were real or not, to the protagonist, it was real. His passion and his desire was always real. But at the same time, there's still so much unknown factors, so many unknown factors. Like, what if he hadn't left the mechanic out there? You know, what if he had actually done any of this stuff? Or maybe he did do the stuff, but he didn't do stuff he wanted to do. Like, there's still so many unknowns that can kind of, you know, it's hard to add things together that you didn't do or you could have done or you wish you had done, you know? Yeah. It creates a new, all these what-ifs kind of could theoretically create a new person that the protagonist wanted to be, but he can't even know what that is because he never grasped these other opportunities. He never like was able to translate these passions and desires into real situations. Or maybe he did do everything. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I loved it. I'm gonna, definitely going to be watching it again and maybe with the sound off on some of those scenes. <laughs> And we do have to mention the ending credits are delightful. Just two two adorable Frenchmen sharing a bike as they travel down this like hill yeah. in some French city and they're just like jaunting about, whistling, and then this narrator voice comes over and is like starring. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Starring. <laughs> and again, wasn't it the wasn't he whistling the do 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 I think, but in a much more like upbeat. Yeah, it was tone. more upbeat this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how to feel at the end of that movie. Mind you, we had also just like drank old fashions throughout the movie too. But I was just like sitting there dumbfounded, like, 
I can't tell if I'm horny or sad or intrigued or like it was just so many yeah. so many things so i mean if you guys want to watch it you can get it How, where did you get this jack i ended up buying the dvd on amazon the dvd so you might have to buy a dvd <laughs> player first mm, first step <laughs> <laughs> or if you guys live in north hollywood maybe we can have a watch party um but no clothes allowed <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> We're, we're trying to play the character. If it's a, if we're trying to dress up like the characters, we all have to be naked just for the theme. Right. Or you just come in and like, it's the it's eighties. Just wear like bell bottom jeans. There you go. I'll pretend to be asleep, and everybody walk in <laughs> one at a time and take their clothes off. We'll watch the movie. <laughs> one can dream. Oh my gosh. Well, Jack, I want to thank you for coming all the way across the street from the dirty, gritty streets of the city of North Hollywood and. <laughs> Um, joining me on this gay adventure. Thanks for having me. I had such a great time. <laughs> I, I look forward to watching more artistic, antiqued, what do you call that? Vintage pornography. Vintage. Yeah. Vintage, <laughs> French, 80s, gay, pornography. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed this episode, I hope to make much more recordings like this where we look at other forms of maybe long lost art, film, and literature in our community and discuss them over the podcast. Don't forget to find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Thanks again for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Okay.